Welcome back to another episode of Friends From Work. This is a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And as always, it is hosted by my longtime friend, Robbie Earl, and me, Kyle Sconowell. You've probably heard me say this a lot, but... We are so thankful for you guys listening and for you being here right now. You can always go back and catch up on any previous episodes, but we are excited to have you here today. Today is going to be our second ever mailbag episode where we talk about some of the things that listeners have written to us. If you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, how do I be a part of that? How did I miss that? Well, good news. You can reach out to us on social media at the FFW podcast message us there, tag us there, hit us up, or theffwpodcast.com. There's a little contact section. Email us. We go through those emails and we get to those questions as we're about to prove to you today. So we'd love to have more of that. We're going to be keeping that going for quite some time. So as always, we love that feedback and we love interacting with you. But Robbie. Yes. I just gave our fans a chance to tell us how they're doing (laughs) via this feedback. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. Um, I am still holed up in the house. I am still... Just living life. Just (laughs) living living, uh, within the walls of this podcasting uh, sanctum sanctorum. And, (laughs) you know, doing well, all things considered. How about you? I, too, am doing well. I am on my third playthrough of Spider-Man, the video game. So that kind of sums up how busy I've been recently. This will be my fastest beating of it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It is still as fulfilling the third time as it was the first time. So, well, I love the game. That's not true. Yeah, obviously, some of the stuff I already know, but it's still very fun. So that's what I'm doing. I've been taking the opportunity to get caught up on some Marvel comics that I've been wanting to read for the past few months. So that's been, that's been fun. I, uh, it's actually my first time going through the original Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, fantastic four series, uh, from the sixties. And there's a theory out there that that run, like the first 50 issues is the great American sci-fi novel kind of oh. all collectively uh, because go. of just kind of what it did. And, and what's really interesting is that run introduced just a lot of really fun cosmic stuff that we've seen through Guardians. So it's been really fun to go back and see what some people kind of consider to be Stanley and, and uh, Kirby's kind of magnum opus, or at least Stanley's. Well, good for you. Yeah, I'm having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> good. Hashtag quarantine life. Hashtag um, quarantine life. So I narrowed some of the feedback down to four main, I want to call them talking points this week, almost more than questions, because some of the specific questions I could answer quickly, but it led me to a greater school of thought. So I don't think you've heard all these, so I'm going to hit you with them now, live. Love it, love it. So Doug wrote in and asked, and and I'm I'm paraphrasing this question because it was long, okay? Uh When was the point that, we think Marvel and Kevin Feige like really knew what was going to happen in the Infinity Saga. And do you think there would have been anything they would have changed now in hindsight? And I bring up Doug's question because somebody else also talked to me about this. And I love this discussion. I've had this discussion with Lost, with Office, and there's no right answer. How much of 
the Infinity Saga, did they know, like, let's say from the beginning, or did they know halfway through? When did they know they were going to end it? And how many of those details can you write in retroactively to fulfill something? Do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great question. I, I love think, it. based on some interviews and some extras that I've seen, that they knew roughly what it was going to be somewhere between the first and second Avengers films. Yes, before and, before uh, Age of Ultron. Is yeah, what I, was I mean, I, say. because you know, like, so I, I would say Thor: The Dark World is a big turn. <laughs> Is a big turning point there. <laughs> there um, he goes. <laughs> yes, you got it worked in. That's incredible. Because because that's where you see it's the first time we hear the term Infinity Stone used, and so that was 2013. Yeah, and then you know Age of Ultron comes out in 2015. But I was listening to this really interesting bit on the Age of Ultron extras where they talked about how it was a retroactive decision creatively to make the Tesseract and Loki's scepter <gasps> into the Space Stone and Mind Stone. That's what I was going to ask you right after you just said that. So yeah. this game we're playing can be really fun because you can start doing this with every single detail and plot point, right? When do you think they decided that? But right. that's interesting. You noted that they retroactive the Tesseract because that's what I was curious about. Yeah, I mean, because so that's one of those things that in the comics, there's a, there's a cosmic cube that is separate from the Infinity Stones. It's kind of its own magical MacGuffin thing. And it's always associated with the Red Skull. And so it makes sense that it first appeared in uh, the first Captain America movie. And so I think that's what the Tesseract was supposed to be pretty much until we get that twist with Thor the Dark World where we find out that Infinity Stones are being collected. And then, but you know, I think that also kind of explains why those things behaved a bit differently in the Avengers than we might have thought, like with the Tesseract, like, because they, Fury uh. says that, and, and we can, you know, I think that there are in universe explanations, right? But Fury says that Loki's scepter is powered by the Tesseract. Oh yeah. That one. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that is a line. And I think now we can say, well, Fury just thought that. But I've always appreciated with the Tesseract specifically that it always is some kind of like portally spacey vibe. That's really never changed. Yeah. Well, I would say the only the only difference is the way that Selvig and Clint talk about the Tesseract showing them things. Yeah, and but I, it could I, just be showing them like other galaxies and like a, like peering through a portal kind of thing. That's that's yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, don't know, I guess but I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. To me, I, I would like to have seen that that be more in reference to the Mind Stone, you know, because they are being controlled by the Mind Stone and, and Loki's scepter. But I think that it all works out and I think the idea is maybe no one really fully understands what's happening, and then by the time we get to Age of Ultron, it's this like Fury didn't know that they were two separate power sources and, well, and I think that's totally fun. Yeah, that's super fair, I think. Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. like it's not like this cosmic power shows up to the universe and all of a sudden like someone like Fury would just understand what it is exactly. Right. To me. Right. Um no, you totally. know, I think it's this is fairly obvious, but you know, the first few movies were intent on setting up just origin stories for these characters. I don't think they had any idea. I think they thought they could bring them all together 
right? But the first plan right. was just, let's introduce them. Let's Like for Iron Man, it's like, let's make a movie that works, first of all. That's the first thing that's good right. and well done. Then it's like, let's finish these movies that explains how they can come together. I think after they saw the success of the first Avengers and they a little bit gave us a glimpse of like the cosmic scale, that's when the ball probably started rolling towards like, Hey, we could we could open this up. We could bring in the Guardians. We could introduce these cosmic powers of the Infinity Stones, you know. And then right. by the time Age of Ultron rolls around, they had the Thanos idea, right? That he was going to eventually be the guy, right? So somewhere yeah. in between there, I think they put the the main pieces together. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! You know, some of the End Game stuff. I'm not sure. Like, when do you think Tony knew he was going to die? When do you think? Um, Cap knew he was going to get to go back in time. That kind of stuff, I don't know. And probably only Kevin knew, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, it's just fun for me to, to brainstorm. I do think they had the framework in place, and that's the important part to me. That gives me more respect for it. So Yeah, I, I feel like on some level, I mean, there were little changes that I know were made even relatively late in the game that we'll talk about specifically with Infinity War and Endgame. But I think that broadly speaking, from what I've read, after that kind of 2013, 2014 period, it seems like they knew where things were headed. I mean, even in what we've talked about in like building towards Civil War and building towards Infinity War and, and giving us... What, what I think is so genius in retrospect is what you were saying with them bringing in Guardians and kind of bringing in Thanos from that different perspective where we got him sort of through the Avengers, but then we kind of actually are introduced to him in Guardians, and then bringing all of that together in Infinity War, I just think is is it it worked so well, and it was such an interesting way to bridge these seemingly unrelated worlds. No doubt, I think that there had to be a blueprint there, you know. Well, and obviously, some of the Easter egg stuff would be really easy to add afterwards. So that's why I say, like, not all the details were figured out, obviously. You can, right. like a cheeseburger line, for example, you can easily write that in without offending sure, Iron Man sure. 1, right? So as like a shout out. I'm curious about what the next phase looks like, given that I think Feige will be in a position now to plan things out even uh, more carefully. Well, and you know, like, when everything can matter in a way that you don't have to retroactively, like, you know, because there is even still some weird stuff with Marcus and McFeely having to kind of, you know, correct some of the the way the reality stone appeared in Thor 2, you know, versus like just making sure everything's smoothed over and it all fits in. No doubt. Whereas like now, if if you really do have Kevin Feige, total creative control, like has his vision out for years. Like I, I just am curious if that ends up being better or, you know, like if we lose something in the kind of sporadic, uh, you know, not improvisational, but a little bit more spontaneous feel of some of the early movies. I, I don't know. I would think it should be better. And I'm right. absolutely fascinated to see how it goes. But again, and we talked about this on our Instagram live that we did a few weeks ago. But I am a little bit concerned, and I guess I'm just supposed to trust Kevin, and I do, I do. But I'm just <laughs> concerned that they lose some of the tightness that they were able to pull off from the Infinity Saga. Like, what's made the Marvel Universe so good is, is that they don't have a lot of these holes, right? And so I just, like, if they're, if they're going to bring in tons of new characters, if they want to bring in the X-Men, if they want to bring in Fantastic Four, I just hope that it doesn't kind of get a little bit too big for what 
they can keep you know, working well tightly. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I just don't want it to get out of hand. Right. But again, I trust Kevin, and you're right. In a way, now he has m- more of an ability to plan out than he ever did in the past. So theoretically, yeah. it should be even better. Well, and what, you know, what I'm really interested in, as much as we've talked about Spider-Man Far From Home being kind of the first movie in the next phase in our minds, like the the end credit scene that we get there, the the last one with Fury, I think is a great example of a very intentional scene that's supposed to point to a very, we don't know what it is yet, but I think is supposed to point to a certain thing, which is very different from the, from the earliest MCU after credit scenes that we got. If we're looking at kind of the way this next era is starting versus the way that like the, the first era began with Iron Man and Iron Man two and the incredible Hulk, where some of the scenes that we got afterwards were a bit more open-ended you know, like I, I think that, that that first Iron Man after credit scene was written without really any indication of where Nick Fury revealing himself was gonna take us. And the same with Robert Downey Jr. walking into the bar and meeting with with General Ross. Like I think that those were more just fun little Easter eggs, more than they were well thought out plans. And so now that again, from the very beginning, that each of these pieces falls into a certain place is is gonna be fun to kind of deduce all of the all of the little uh clues and and put everything together okay our second question is from a listener by the name of stratos that's just the instagram name i think but do you think spider-man will appear in doctor strange in the multiverse of madness do you think is that question because of, of sam raimi's involvement probably yeah i you would talk to me about some rumors going around in in that camp, right? Well, I think the answer is no, is my answer. But obviously when they start introducing this idea of a multiverse, which again, referring to our previous question, I am not a fan of because of the lack of tightness with it. I don't want to start getting alternate realities that affect the story I know now, okay? So that's where Kyle Skonowal stands on it. Um, But (laughs) I do think if it was contained to like one film, Right, like we just saw a glimpse and then like somehow they shut it down, a la like source code or something. Uh-huh. The movie. If they pulled it off like that, I could be okay with it. But I guess that question is yes, Sam Raimi, but also like could they flash through different multiverses for a while and see like obviously the the possibilities of cameos there are limitless, right? Like right. let's say they were just like they were just flying through multiverses. You could be like, oh, there's a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, or there's a you know, just all these different things you could throw in just to make it crazy. But I just right. don't want that to have any lasting impact on the story I currently know. Yeah, and I don't think that it has to. You know, like in in the in the comics, which are obviously much less tight than the movie universe, which is your point, I still feel like the existence of a multiverse, which is brought up a lot, doesn't change the stakes for the universe that the main comics take place in. And so I think even if there is this idea that there are these other universes out there, which I think we already have based on Endgame, right? Based on the conversation between Hulk and the ancient one there. I think as long as you're right, they don't start busting in to our universe in a way where, like we've said before, Loki can just come back in and now be alive again. And it's like nothing happened because it's just an alternate reality, Loki, that 
you know, like I don't, I don't want that. I want all of it to be contained. That said, that's what I'm trying to say. I do really, I think that it would be very fun for Marvel to, to take the opportunity to kind of acknowledge all of the other iterations of its characters from these movies over the past few years. Not that I necessarily want to see Nick Cage's ghostwriter show up. (laughs) (laughs) Hair on fire. Right. But I do think, I think that would be kind of fun in a way to, to bring us full circle. And yeah, I mean, we get a little Hugh Jackman shout out. Maybe this is, I don't know. It just can't have lasting impact. That's my only thing. It can't. Right. Right. I mean, I guess, Another question for me that maybe is more interesting than whether Spider-Man would show up is whether you think that this would provide the introduction of a new character. Like, do you think that there's a way that this is how maybe Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool shows up in the MCU? Yes, I think it's possible. I'm still wrestling with my feelings on this, Robbie. I need to see how they do it before I judge. But... Again, I just don't like it getting out of control. I and you know me, I've said this in a Beyond the MCU episode. Like I love the things I love, so I'm always like predisposed to not right. want new things. But I understand that at some point they probably got to take it somewhere. You know, right. I think again, as long as it's contained, if they kind of like spin through everything and and explain like like you said, Wolverine or Spider Man or all these other things, I could be okay with that as long as it doesn't have lasting impact on the story I care about. And if they want to do Deadpool that way, let me see how I feel first. And then I'll get back to you. Right. I think that's fair. Um, Muhammad Zayn says, do you feel like Bucky is significantly more powerful when he's evil? And then he follows it up with a comment that kind of implies that it's a little disappointing to him that like healthy Bucky is not as strong. And I have a take on this, a larger take that I want to get into, but I want to hear what you think first. Yeah, I think I feel like we've talked about this a bit in Civil War, but I do think that that's the case. I think we see him like he's really terrifying when he's in his Winter Soldier mode, and when he is just normal Bucky, I would say it, he doesn't have that kind of almost robotic death machine thing going, which makes him maybe less threatening. Um, but I will say in, in that question when I was reading it. There's this assumption that Cap and and Bucky are totally equally powerful, and I don't think that we ever get that explicitly. Like, because we don't know what was performed on Bucky. Like, we know he had some kind of enhancements done that have allowed him to survive, and and like there was that experimentation from Zola, but it wasn't the same formula, right? Because there's a lot of emphasis placed on the fact that the original Secret Soldier formula was lost. I still think that Cap is stronger and then kind of has his own unique enhancements and abilities. I don't think that they're just the same. I don't know if you if you agree or disagree there. Um, I do agree that I think Cap is stronger. Um, I, I'm trying to gather my thoughts on this because I have such a weird take. We get these kinds of questions a lot about all different characters based on, I think, if you were really passionate about said character. Right. So the people that were like huge Bucky fans are a little bit bummed that he's not stronger. The people that were diehard Thor fans their whole life may be bummed that he gets fat. The people that are diehard Hulk fans were maybe disappointed with the Professor Hulk thing. And I'm trying to be sensitive to that because I 
I can understand that disappointment a little bit. For example, for me, if they had done something crazy with Tony, right? Like if they had just decided that Tony was going to quit and never be a part of it again or something. Yeah, I'd be bummed. But because I also love power levels, right? And I like new stories and not just repeats of stuff, aka Star Wars. I Uh like things being pushed certain directions, Mm-hmm. I'm almost always okay with it after I sit with it for a little bit. So yeah, Bucky is not as strong when he's not evil, but that's okay. We don't. I don't need him to be. And Bucky, the character doesn't need to be to himself. If this was a real story, why wouldn't Bucky want to get that evil out of his head and fight less? He's been alive since 1940. That's what he would want to do. Right. Right? Like... And like the Hulk thing makes so much sense to me. I know it bums you out as a viewer to not see Hulk smash, but the real character of Bruce Banner has been trying to get rid of this Hulk disease his whole life. Right. So if he can kind of calm it down, that makes sense to me. And again, kind of going back to what we said about Lord of the Rings that one time, if you want Hulk smash version of Hulk, then rewatch Avengers one on repeat and read the comics. Right. Like, this is a different universe. This is a universe where Bucky isn't as strong anymore because he's not evil. It's a universe where Peter Quill laid down his godness. Right. So he's not as strong anymore. Like, my point is these characters have to go somewhere. They can't just be the prototypical version of themselves that you see in the comics 100% of the time. Right. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And I, and I, you know, I don't even think that that it necessarily means that Bucky is is weaker. Like, I, I think it'll be really interesting to, to have this conversation after Falcon and Winter Soldier comes out because obviously he's not physically weaker. It's just he's he doesn't have this ruthless intensity about him. But also, we haven't seen him, you know, in Civil War... I, I would, you know, he's going, he's going hand to hand with Tony and kind of holding his own for a while. And so, which, you know, takes a lot of strength. It's not like, and that's even whenever he's in his right mind. I think if, if we're talking about him in Infinity War, I don't know that Bucky's strength has ever been on in like a large scale fight like that. Right. Like it's, it's not like, like we've always seen him be really badass when it comes to hand to hand, like kind of. Winter Soldier, the movie kind of fight scenes. So I think it makes sense that we wouldn't really see him shine there in the same way. I think in Falcon and Winter Soldier, we we will see a bit more of his same skill set. But I also love how they handled him in, in Infinity War because we talked about this in Winter Soldier episode. Like he's one of the only superheroes that is willing to just grab a gun or grenades and doesn't right. have another power in that way and just be ruthless in that way. So I think it's fitting that He's just manning this awesome gun, shooting a bunch of dudes. And the gun is so awesome that Rocket even wants it, right? right. And, and the that, arm yeah. is so awesome that Rocket wants it, right? So, like, I think he's still, you know, it's appropriately portrayed there. Yeah. Okay, last question. And I purposely saved this one for last because some of you listeners are totally going to be alienated by this question, but I can't wait to talk about it. So, <laughs> okay, this again, it's going to be five minutes of... Just something you may not care about, but some people may really care about. But Marty asks us, did we ever play the Imperfects on PS2? And if not, what other video games do we love? 
And that's a bold Pandora's box, baby, <laughs> for old Kyle. <laughs> My first question is, did you play the Imperfects? I did not. I did briefly, you know, obviously a, a long time ago. So I don't remember it a ton, but I remember it being cool. Um, the games that I played way more on on PS2 were the the X-Men Legends Marvel Ultimate Alliance games. Those are the ones that I look back on very oh, yeah. nostalgically in terms of old school superhero things. I would, by the way, if you can get your hands on those, there are still some some ways to get... Um, like they were up on the PlayStation Store for a while ago if you have PlayStation 4. But um, really fun kind of arcade-style RPG games where you're just exploring the Marvel Universe... There's obviously the Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 that's out on the Nintendo Switch now. It's a little bit different. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I played the Imperfects a little bit, but I have my own past with old school superhero games. Okay, and I can't wait to answer this question. It has nothing to do with superhero games. I'll keep this as short <laughs> as I possibly can. I grew up with an N64, you know, playing a lot of the classics, Zelda, Ocarina of Time, Mario 64, Super Smash Brothers, GoldenEye, etc. I then graduated towards Xbox, and when I was in high school and college, I got super into Halo 1, 2, 3, to the point where I became like a competitive Halo 3 player. Right. If you don't believe me, we posted about this on Instagram a while ago. Um, so I got so obsessed with that that I didn't play any of their video games. Well, once I kind of stopped doing that, I sold my Xbox in college, just didn't play a single video game for like 10 years. So I have a 10-year <laughs> gap from Xbox 360, Halo 3, to everything else. A year and a half ago, I decided on a total whim, I'm going to buy a PlayStation because I've never owned PlayStation. I've always had Xbox. I'm going to go a totally different route. And I'm just going to Google what are the games of the year, look at like 10 games that look interesting to me, and just buy them and just play through them. And my mind has been absolutely blown. I'm playing these like story games, open world games, and games have gotten so good. They've just gotten <laughs> so good. So here's my really fast answer, and Robbie's so sick of me talking about this. My favorite no, three games it. I've played in the last two years, and this is what I would call tier one, okay? One A, B, C. Spider-Man, as we've mentioned on PS4. Red Dead Redemption 2, the story is unbelievable. It's such a slow game. It starts so slowly, but if you make it in like 30 hours, it's so immersive, and the story, I found myself talking like Arthur Morgan, which is not a good thing all the time. Boy, um, that's how into it I was. Okay, so look up Red Dead Redemption 2. If, if that's your vibe, it's like Old Western. And then the other tier one game was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Not quite as good of a story, but just an incredible uh, capturing of a time period, ancient Greece. If you're into ancient Greece or the historical figures and the combat there, unbelievable. I could talk about those three games literally for two hours, so I'm not going to, but that's my <laughs> answer to that. I also retroactively played some other games that I've really enjoyed. The Last of Us has an incredible story. Oh, yeah, Very so violent. Yeah. If you're not into that, careful. Um, and some of the some other games were just fun, you know, like Jedi Fallen Order was kind of fun. Uncharted Four was fun, but mm -hmm. really those other ones were kind of my tier one games. And please, if you want a more in depth review, message me. I would gladly send you a voice memo of me just going on and on about the games. <laughs> but I'll cut it off that. right there. And Robbie can so vouch. He's literally hung up on me before because I, I I'm talking about video games. And he's like, oh, I gotta go. Sorry, Kyle. So <laughs> I get it to everyone listening right now. Robbie gets it. But anyway. Red Dead Redemption 2, Spider-Man PS4, and Assassin's Creed Odyssey were my three favorites of the last year.
Which are all great games. I mean, those, those are great games. <laughs> no one's going to go wrong playing any of those. I've been playing Red Dead recently, actually, and uh, Candace and I have gotten pretty gotten pretty into it as well. Yeah. Yeah, my wife likes watching the stories. Don't judge her. <laughs> Anyways, guys, that's all we have for mailbag number two. Thank you, as always, for writing in. We love it. I'm just going to reiterate some things. One, Always feel free to write us, even if we're not doing episodes that week, um, theffwpodcast.com or at the FFW Podcast on any social media. We try to respond there, but then if your question's really thoughtful, we try to get into one of these episodes, and we really like doing these, so keep doing that. Thanks again. Subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found, and if you can, leave a review for us. Um, tell your friends about us. We love doing these, and we can't wait to bring you more content in the future. So thanks again for listening. We love you all. This has been Friends From Work. Mm-hmm.